everyone. Thank you for joining us on another installment of the Professional Millennials Podcast. He's Derek. And she's Tori. Let's dive into our weekly update. So we know it's actually been two weeks since our last episode. It's been a little crazy around here. Last weekend when we would normally be doing our recordings, my mom was visiting Austin for the first time. Yay, Mama Moose. So that was fun. We did a bunch of the touristy things, stopped by Lady Bird Lake, Zilker Park, went to a boot store just to get that authentic cowboy feel. Yeah, so Rainy Street and South Congress, you know, lots to do in Austin. So we really showed her around. And then, of course, us living in North Austin, we went by the Domain, went to some restaurants there, had a great time. And I think it was probably the best weather we'll have for any single weekend the entire year. Yeah, it was a great time of year for her to visit. She was not only able to see our place and our pups, but we also were able to see the blue bonnets just starting to bloom. So that was something really beautiful to see just driving around. Another classic Texas thing. So she got that, you know, authentic feel while she was here. What was your favorite part about her trip or the favorite thing that we did? Well, I am such a foodie. I absolutely loved every time we went out for brunch. Mm -hmm. You know, a great way to start your day. Um, You can kind of have something not so healthy and get away with it because it's under that brunch category. Mm -hmm. And we also, you know, we would wake up, have our little like, you know, kind of a small breakfast, little bite to eat and some coffee hanging around the house and then do that, like you said, that late morning, early afternoon meal where you just get to relax and enjoy something a little, a little naughty sometimes. Oh, yeah. And something else that we did, which we kind of talked about a little bit in our last intro, uh, was that we went to Lowe's and we got a garden box and some veggies. Ooh, yeah. I almost forgot about that. How did you forget? (laughs) So we have used my car as a true utility vehicle. Like the UV and SUV, I think with my car is very on point. We can fold this back seats down and it's basically just like rubberized six feet long, maybe like three to four feet high. And we can fit a lot in there and we really pushed it this time. I thought I was going to be left at Lowe's while they dropped everything off at home. I thought they'd have to come back and get me. Well, (laughs) I think the real issue that we had is while we were in that area... We stopped at H-E-B first and did some grocery shopping. H-E-B plus, babe. You're right. It's not just your average H-E-B. They had a full garden center. They had prepared foods that we've never seen at our H-E-B. I mean, awesome stuff there. We got some prime fillets. My mom was awesome enough to treat us to that because being a mom, she loves feeding her kids. And, you know, she sees Tori like another daughter, so she wants to feed her as well. So she bought us, you know, some food for the week, which was so nice of her. And they were, I want to say, some of the most tender steaks that we've ever eaten at home. Oh, yeah. They were amazing. I would venture to put the tenderness level up there with the prime rib that we make. Oh, yeah, for sure. Again, the flavor is hard to beat with the compound butter on the prime rib, but those fillets were just like melting in our mouths. We had a perfect sear, full pink throughout. I mean, D... Delicious. Time to make some of those with compound butter, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. So back to the story. Oh, yeah. We'd gone to HEB, and we knew we were going to get some cold stuff, so we brought a cooler. So we had a set of groceries, a cooler, eight bags of soil, some more soil for potted plants. Did you mention that we got a garden box? Oh, no, we got two garden boxes to stack them. 
And then we also got the plants to put into the garden boxes. So we had that thing packed to the gills. Oh yeah, and I guess we should tell you what we planted. We planted some heirloom tomatoes. Not just just any heirloom tomatoes. They're German queen heirloom tomatoes. They're royalty. (laughs) You're right, you're right. So heirloom tomatoes, queen, German queens, uh, some cucumbers, zucchini, some sweet peppers, and then, you know, we are in Texas, got to spice it up a little. We got some serrano peppers. I think serrano's been my favorite of the hot sauces that we have, so I'm happy we went with that, and it's not as spicy as some of the other ones out there. So it's a nice little bit of heat, but not too much to burn your face off. Yeah, so anywhere from like 50 to 80 days, we should have some fruits. <laughs> I mean, vegetables. Well, tomatoes. tomatoes. You're right. Okay. Huh. You're always didn't, right. Didn't even plan that one. <laughs> so yeah they should be mature in a couple of months so we're excited about that and then we got uh some nice flowering bushes for the patio and we got a little palm to put out front yeah and daisy loves pooping on like these long grass shrub things so we got her a few of those and she's ecstatic so some veggies for us some plants for daisy some flowers to spice it up so the uh the yard is slowly coming together and uh yeah we're just excited you know week by week adding one thing after another Yeah, can't wait to take you guys along for our journey of DIY backyard renovation. So outside that, like Tori said, it was just a really good foodie weekend with my mom. After that, we were just kind of going back into the week, going through our normal routines. And then I uh, made some time to hang out with a buddy at the Northside Domain, watched uh, some of the Final Four action there. Pretty cool seeing the, uh, the overtime game. Gonzaga pulled out the win. I was kind of hoping for the underdog upset because it is March Madness, but great time, good food, and that was a pretty good week, right? Absolutely. Great week. And now moving right along into our topic of the day, we decided to go with regional foods, kind of keeping on theme with last weekend and all the great meals we had. And I mean, millennials love food, right? Big time foodies. It's part of our culture. Not to mention all of the you know, food delivery apps, you know, have Uber Eats, DoorDash, all that stuff is just booming right now during the pandemic because people still have a desire to eat those specialty foods, even if they're too afraid to go out. Can we just talk about how alcohol can be delivered now? Like we have come so, so far. 2021, it's a wild year. So I think, you know, I love that as we've lived in different states, uh, we do get to experience the different blends of culture mixed with whatever is locally available to create that, you know, micro food scene. And, you know, a lot of these regional dishes, like I said, maybe have some immigrants come from a different country or come from a different area of this country. They're used to eating one food and they realize, okay, well, some of those ingredients that we would get at home aren't available in this new place. So what can we use? How can we adapt it? How can we change it? Or they just jump into that new food culture that they're in and they blend it with their own. Yeah, there's definitely lots of variety and lots of things that you wouldn't expect. You know, you'll just kind of come across something new. And it's so fun to try those places out because they could be the best thing you've ever had. And you just wouldn't have ever thought to try that. Especially when, uh, in my opinion, if it's like a family cooking type of restaurant where, you know, they've had their own recipes they've been passing down for generations. And there's probably a reason why generations and generations have been cooking them the same way. Um, So I'd love to start out with talking about our native food scene, you know, where you 
started your life and that kind of food scene, and then we'll go into mine as well. Well, I've kind of bounced all around with my life, but I'd say that I have the most memories, you know, in Maryland. Everybody knows Maryland is so big into, like, picking crab, blue crab. Wait, people from Maryland like crab? Yes! Oh my gosh, crab is the bee's knees. I'm, I might not love anything more than crab with Old Bay, with a beer, with Old Bay on the rim of the beer. What kind of beer? Natty Bow. Yeah, there, there's a, a specific beer. If you're, you know, local, you can get it. But every time I go back to Maryland, I'm always, like, trying to convince my friends that we need to get crabs. But, you know, it is a little pricey. It's a, it's a nice treat. But when they're in season, oh, my God, you better get some. It always amazes me how uh, finely you get into those little crab because i mean i'll go through mine i'll be done with like five of them and then you're looking at me like hey are you done with that and i'm like yeah there's no meat and then you pull out another couple ounces of meat that i had no chance of getting yes i don't know if it's because my fingers are smaller or i just know what i'm doing but like i just you know i'm the cleanup crew for you because no crab meat can go to waste it is just so delish and you know some people are like really into crab cakes but in my opinion just my opinion, people. Don't come at me. Crab cakes are full of filler and not nearly as good as just fresh crabs. You mm -hmm. just got to go right to the source. No middleman. So we'll switch over to my food scene. So growing up for me in northern New Jersey, there were a couple of things that kind of stick out. Number one being pizza because, you know, living so close to New York City, just 30 minutes away, lots of Italian-Americans in the area. Same with me. I'm an Italian-American my heritage so they really do take pride in their pizza that new york style uh, much different than the american style you'd get from like a domino's uh, with that fluffier crust but i mean that's something that whenever i go home i'm always having at least one night where we're ordering in some pizza from one of our our favorite locations and then the other thing that i think nowhere in the world can it rival new jersey is the bagel scene I mean, those bagels, the fluffy inside, that nice crisp outside, there's literally something in the water that makes them better than anywhere else. I've, we've literally lived in places in uh, South Carolina where the bagel shop trucks in water from New Jersey to make their bagels because it's just different. It's just different. I'm going to have to agree with you there. I've never had a better bagel than a New Jersey. And the funny thing to me is I've had friends say oh yeah I like bagels like I love bagels I eat them all the time and they're always thinking of like a Thomas's bagel which I'm not trying to throw shade at Thomas's but until you've tried a real bagel you really like can't realize that calling that a bagel is like blasphemy it's a if, whole different ballgame if your jaw doesn't hurt after you eat a bagel you didn't even eat a bagel and then you combine that with another New Jersey thing which is controversy coming up Taylor ham where some people call it pork roll. The proper name is Taylor Ham Pork Roll. That's the full name. People just pick the first half or the second half to call it. But it's um, like a fatty breakfast ham sausage combo that they put on there. They you know put it on the griddle, put on that you know Taylor Ham egg and cheese with some salt, pepper, and ketchup, maybe a little hot sauce, and it is the best breakfast. It's very good. It. Sometimes, you know, it, it, I even think it's better than the bacon, egg, and cheese. 
it almost reminds me of like a really thick like fried bologna or something. I could see like a breakfast bologna. Yeah, like, but like tastier. Or if you've ever had country ham for breakfast, where it's that you know slice of ham they'll toss on the griddle. If you just made that fattier, like a bologna, if you combined the two, I think it would hit that Taylor ham pork roll. Yeah, it's pretty fire. So I think that's a great segue, though, to go right into one of the first regions I want to talk about, which we touched on, which is how pizza is just so iconic in New York. Now, that didn't just happen because people felt like it. It's because uh, between 1890 and 1930, there was a huge influx of Italian-Americans coming to this country, and they all had to go through Ellis Island, which plops them right out into New York City. If you can believe it, over 2 million Italian-Americans came to this country between 1900 and 1910. Just about one decade, 2 million Italian immigrants. Uh, If you've ever seen the movie Gangs of New York, that can kind of show you how densely populated it was in that area. Then, thinking about where we are now, there's this, is it fried or baked? I'm not really sure what a, a kolach is or how it's really made. I would have to go, my gut says it's baked because it's not like greasy. It doesn't give you like a weighed mm-hmm. down feeling. It's very light and I guess so are donuts, but mm, I but think it's, it's baked. It's a fluffy pastry and they put different fillings in it. Some are sweet, some are savory. Yeah, it's actually so much part of the culture that when you stop at Bucky's, that huge gas station that you think about Texas every time you, you pull up. They have them in, like, every single one, fresh made. It's just kind of a part of Texas now, part of the culture, and something that you can always get. It almost reminds me of, like, a Texas bagel, because you can go so many different directions. A bagel can have a nice cream cheese or a cinnamon raisin to make it sweeter. That's their doughy treat that they fill with pastry or meat or whatever they want. Wow, I'm getting so hungry. We probably shouldn't have done this, like, right before lunchtime. (laughs) Rookie mistake. So moving on, other Texas foods that you think about obviously would be Tex-Mex, which is that blend of Mexican dishes with local foods and American styles. So some things I didn't realize were a big change that came about when Mexican and South American food came to this country would be things like fajitas, nachos, which nachos, I understand, that seems pretty American. Mm -hmm. And then the biggest one in my mind is the flour tortilla. Which, we're both partial to flour tortillas. I love them. Much better than corn, in my opinion. But corn is the traditional style of tortilla. That's what they actually had down in Mexico for the most part. They didn't have a lot of wheat to make flour tortillas. Then you come up to America, and there was an abundance of wheat. That was one of our staple crops. So it was just much easier and much more practical to make flour tortillas. Something I think we're both thankful for. Definitely. And thinking about it a little further, like flour tortillas are much stronger. They are more durable and can hold more. They don't really flake apart as easy. And with us Americans loving our big portions, it probably just like went hand in hand to transition to the flour tortillas that can handle more because us Americans, we love our food. Yep. You know, those street tacos are tiny. It's like smaller than the palm of my hand. But, I mean, they have their own place, and I will eat a corn tortilla from time to time, but I do love a good burrito with the flour tortilla, or flour tortilla chips, I think, are better than corn tortilla chips as well. And that could just be because we grew up eating more flour-based 
products. 100%. Now, the last Texas icon of food, something that I want to dive into, and we're going to do a whole tangent on it because it's one of my favorite foods. So when you think of Texas, what food jumps out to you? Barbecue. And what specifically? Brisket. Oh, yeah. So let's dive in to a little barbecue regional uh, dialect here. Now, as we've mentioned multiple times, we met in South Carolina, and then we most recently lived in North Carolina before moving here. So some of the staples or features of Carolina barbecue would be a slow-cooked, smoked, pulled pork. Pulled pork sandwiches. Yeah, with like a mustard-based barbecue sauce. Yep, and there's a lot of hate for the mustard sauce. Even some North Carolinians now aren't a big fan of the mustard sauce, but I think it's a nice change. A little bit of the acid in there cuts the heavy, fatty pork. Oh, yeah. I I mean, chef's kiss in my opinion. But mm-hmm. We're biased. <laughs> of course, yeah. Living in South Carolina and North Carolina combined about six years, we had a whole bunch of it. And there are so many great little hole-in-the-wall places. You can just stop in and get some rib-sticking meals. Now, I think I know what Tori's favorite side is with her barbecue. Cornbread? Oh, yeah. Oh, especially if you throw some jalapenos in there. That is fire. And that's what I think is the key to barbecue, is having that element that cuts the heaviness. I mean... Don't get me wrong. Cornbread is still heavy, but you're not wrong. You just have to have the right sides and get the right amount of them. Don't get me wrong. Mac and cheese and pulled pork is a good combo. But if you're just having those two things with a heavy sugary ketchup based sauce, I think it's going to be too much. Yeah. How much of that could you really eat? Exactly. You won't feel so good after eating that. Now moving over to the West, I didn't really realize this because we've never spent much time in Alabama, but they do a lot more smoking of chickens. So slower cooked chicken, which is tough because there isn't nearly as much fat in chicken besides the thighs. Yeah, that must be tough to make chicken barbecue that can compete with things like pork and brisket and beef. All that fat just adds so much flavor. Mm-hmm. They're also known for a mayo-based barbecue sauce so more of a white sauce compared to that mustard sauce in the carolinas i could get down for that i guess that adds the fat into the chicken Mm -hmm. and so, so let's just move over to texas i can't wait let's not talk about alabama anymore and of course you think about cowboys in texas with those steers making some angus beef we've had some pretty dang good brisket since we're here but i think it's also you know Like we talked about earlier, your culture, what you've grown up with, kind of sets your palate. And what is your all-time favorite meal that your mom makes for you? Brisket. She really does have a lot of skills with that brisket. And we've really been blessed to check out a few local places around here that make mean brisket. Uh, We've been to Salt Lick out, I think it's towards like Dripping Springs. And they have like this huge pit where I guess it's a smoke pit and they're just smoking meats like all day. They like ship that out to the airport and different locations. And it's just so tasty if you're able to actually eat in and have some. But there's also 
so many other places around here that we haven't even tried that I hear have even better brisket. And we were just talking with your mom over the weekend about how there are some really well-known barbecue joints run by families like we talked about and they'll split up maybe one brother goes to this city one brother goes to another city and they both take something from their roots and then go in a slightly different direction and it creates a whole new style of barbecue yeah absolutely you've always got the opportunity to put your own little flair on it and make it your own maybe make it a little better make it a little different now one piece of Texas food culture we haven't talked about yet is the German influence. Out near Fredericksburg, there are a lot of German Americans, people who came to this country from Germany and set up settlements out there. And they're known for not just their food, but also their wine. Oh yeah, there's a ton of wineries on the way there. It's super tempting to stop in and just get some wine. But of course, you got to keep in mind, you got to drive and stuff. But tell them about that amazing meal we had. And Yeah, we walked into this extremely authentic German restaurant. And you walk in and the people working there, a bunch of them are speaking German to each other. And the pictures on the walls are something that you would probably see in someone's house. It's not so much that restaurant feel. It's more of like family dining that you walked into somebody's living room and they're serving you a meal. Really good stuff. I got a sour in with a delicious sauce on it. They have some classic German beers there on draft, things like Warsteiner. And it just gave you a nice taste of something different that you wouldn't expect to find in Texas. And that being said, just on the that road in Fredericksburg, I think we had three or four other German restaurants right there. Absolutely. It's definitely a little niche area for German cuisine, German culture, and just want to throw this out there. They had some really cute shops. It'd be a great thing to do for like a day trip just to explore the culture and see what's out there. Yeah, if you're in Central Texas visiting Austin where we are, San Antonio, maybe even a stretch from Dallas, but a, a cool place to check out if you're in the area and you have some time. We just love to see the different influences that affect the food culture of an area. It's really awesome to see how it grows and changes over time as well with new influences coming in and see how that can make something completely unique all right guys we're going to transition over to our dog of the week and this is a really touching story i totally teared up when i first watched the video so bear with me uh this is this story brings us over to ontario canada there is a family there that has a one-year-old dog named Clover. Clover is a Marema mix. And this story begins when Clover and the daughter of the family, Haley, were out on a walk just strolling through the neighborhood. All of a sudden, Haley was overcome by a seizure, having a little bit of a medical emergency. Keep in mind, Clover is not a trained service dog. Clover is only like one and a half years old, you know, basically a puppy. And Clover sprang into action. Clover was able to get loose of the leash and first, of course, check on Haley, try and, you know, liquor, are you okay? What's going on? There was a car that drove by and Clover was like, okay, we need help. I can't let another car pass. This truck starts coming and Clover is backing up slowly into the road 
trying to get this car's attention and successfully gets the driver to stop. The driver rushes over to Haley to check on her. She's unresponsive. So they go to get some neighbors and Clover is also helping to get some neighbors attention, whatever they can do to get some help for Haley. Uh, the paramedics ended up showing up and Clover ended up running home to actually alert Haley's family that something had happened, knowing that she was safe with the paramedics. And the nice ending to this story is that Clover did everything right. Haley doesn't know what happened to cause a seizure, but feels a lot safer knowing that Clover will always be there to protect her. And Clover got a wonderful steak dinner as a reward for helping. A well-deserved steak dinner, I might add. Absolutely. Please look it up if you have a moment. It actually, uh, the whole thing was caught on like somebody's ring doorbell or some sort of, you know, camera that they had. And it's just really amazing to see Clover in action. It's amazing how smart dogs are because obviously they've never been told how a street works or how a car works or that people are inside the cars, but they remember it from their experiences. They remember the smells and the sights to get home how many one-year-old humans could have found their way home or stopped to get help. It's amazing how capable they are at such a young age. They're much more developed both mentally, emotionally, and physically than we give them credit for. Absolutely. And think about if Clover hadn't stopped that driver of the truck. Like, how many cars would have passed before somebody noticed, you know? Um, nobody really was alerted to the situation because she was just out walking the dock. So, I mean, A plus Three golden stars, Clover. All right, y'all. It is time for Turn Up or Throw Up. Let's go. So, I put together a list of regional foods. Some of them don't seem as regional now because we're in a global economy, so they are available in most places, and they're getting more popular. So, let's dive in. Number one on Turn Up or Throw Up is the Fluffernutter. Oh, wow, that brings back great memories. Turn up. That is a classic staple of my childhood, whenever I could convince my parents to buy fluff. It's a, like a childhood comfort food. Absolutely. It's just super delicious. I could go for one of those right now. Now we're going to run one back. How about the Taylor Ham Bagel Sandwich? Turn up. It's, it's a classic. It's delicious. It's not bacon, but it's still good. Again, I think I do prefer it to bacon, but it's just because it's like home cooking kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, it's part of your childhood. It's in your DNA. Now, number three. How do you feel about poke? Oh, I honestly don't know if I can answer this one. I haven't actually had it. You have to answer this one. That's the game. <laughs> I'm going to go with turn up. I love sushi. It just seems like it's deconstructed sushi, but I like the idea of it because it seems like you can customize it more to your liking. And places like H-E-B and Wegmans and stuff do that. So it's not like you have to go to some super fancy restaurant. You can just get it where you get your groceries. It's, it's convenient. Like we used to always eat burritos. Now we like burrito bowls. We love sushi. Will one day we completely move away from sushi and eat nothing but pokey? Maybe. Is it pokey or poke? I don't know. I said both to hedge my bets. <laughs> Do you like it? Have you had it? I've never had it either. I've had like friends have it. I just look at it and I really enjoy the little like bite size aspect of sushi. 
Yeah, each bite you can customize. And you get everything in each bite with sushi. Yeah. And if you have two or three sushi rolls like we had the other night, you have two or three different flavor combinations set in stone. You know what you're getting. You can add some sauce here and there. So I think poke might blend it all together too much for me, but we have to try it to find out. We're going to try it this week so we can report back. We got some homework for ourselves. We do. Number four, low country boil. Turn up. Wow, I'm not going to say anything bad about any of these because I love food so much. But, I mean, as long as it's like Old Bay or Cajun or Cajun butter, I mean, honestly, you, you, oh, there's no negative here. Not to mention the best part is the crawfish, you know. Oh, crawfish, and they put some corn in there. Some Don't s- care too much about the sausage and potatoes. It's all about the seafood. I, I love the potatoes, personally. I think it just soaks up that Old Bay or whatever other Cajun seasoning. I think it's a nice way to cut it, but it's your whole meal in one pot. Wow, we might need to take a break to get some food. <laughs> we'll try to speed this up. We'll go to number five, which is pecan pie. Ooh, yum. Turn up. Who doesn't love pecans? They're actually my favorite nut. And to put that in a pie with sugar and butter, yes, all about it. Put a little dollop of vanilla ice cream on there. Woo! Wow. Now we're talking. All right, we're going to go with another dessert. Chocolate-dipped frozen bananas. Wow, another turn up. You're making this too easy for me, Derek. I absolutely love frozen bananas. I will have them just regular without chocolate. And, I mean, chocolate makes everything better. I know that they actually sell those, like, at the grocery store, right? They're, like, yeah, uh, dippers or dunkers or something. You know what I think about every time I think of chocolate bananas? What? Arrested Development, the banana stand. <laughs> There's always money in the banana stand. Always money in the banana stand. And, of course... The classic Joe Blind to show how disconnected he is from reality saying, it's just a banana, Michael. What can it cost? $10? Like, oh, God. Oh. oh, Joe. All right, let's keep going here. <laughs> how about a southern staple of biscuits and gravy? Turn up. I love biscuits. They're so fluffy and delicious. And with that chunky gravy, it... You know, I would never eat the gravy on its own, but when you throw the biscuits in there, it's like, oh yeah, I'm on board. I feel like that's one of the very few times that you enjoy sausage on something. Yeah, 100%. I'm really not like a big sausage fan, but like it, it's just the flavor profile. It's, it's just like one of those feel good meals. Yeah. Oh yeah. Another comfort food. And also like something naughty that fits into that brunch category. All right. How about deep dish pizza turn up absolutely i like deep dish pizza um it 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 just depends though you know you don't want it to be too chewy where like your jaw's getting really tired but like a casserole deep dish yeah you know there there's a fine line but as long as it's like well executed yes it also kind of i know it's different but reminds me of like grandma style which is also that thicker Ooh. deeper pizza delicious i would go for that over a thin crust any day i definitely don't like deep dish pizza as much as most other styles of pizza but i think if a restaurant or anybody who's making deep dish is gonna make it they have to just know they're making their style of pizza and not try to make it like a grandma's or like a new york style it's a different thing for a different day and it works in its own way 
Yeah, and I mean, you you grew up in New Jersey, so you yeah. you're gonna love your special type. Exactly. That's for you to love. All right, two more left. How about Asheville hot chicken? Turn up. This is something that I probably would have said throw up about just a few years ago, but as I age, I turn into my parents. I'm in Texas. I'm loving hot food. I love that spice. Put a little hot honey on there. The sweet, the hot. Oh my gosh, yum. And that crunch. And it's just like flavor town. Like like we were talking about with the chicken with Alabama. Like it's not the most tender or flavorful piece of meat, but when you can elevate it with the with the hot seasoning, I mean Hattie B's does it excellent. I think the buttermilk is a big help there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do they uh, marinate it in buttermilk? Oh, yeah. Extra fat in there. Ooh. Wow. That sounds so good right now. All right. The final turn up or throw up of the day. Fried raviolis. Wow. I think that we... I have to close this out with the throw up. <clears throat> I prefer non-fried raviolis. I just don't get it it's they've already got pasta in there you don't need to add the extra breadcrumbs i'd okay i'll stop talking about why i don't like it i i just prefer regular ravioli that's all wow i'm surprised that was your only throw up on all of this i really expected a deep dish pizza to be a throw up possibly the biscuits and gravy because you don't love gravy that much i even thought there was a chance for poke but i i thought ravioli was gonna be a a, a turn up so uh you know you you surprise me every day babe of course, and you know I'm so hungry. It might have had a little judgment, a little sway on my judgments here. <laughs> Everything just sounds really good right now. <laughs> Let's get off the topic of food. Let's finish this up so we can go eat. This week's deal of the week is another food-based deal. If you go on Walmart.com, you can find a six-quart. Instant Pot 7-in-1 Electric Pressure Cooker for $69.99. Pretty nice deal. I'd say so. I love my Instant Pot. You can do so many cool things with it. I know we spent a lot of time talking about barbecue today, and I was amazed the first time we put a pork shoulder in there because you can start with saute, sear the edges to get that nice crisp on the outside. Then you change to the pressure cooker setting, do it for about an hour, a 20-minute slow natural cool down and the bone just comes right out of the meat and it is so tender and juicy. You wouldn't believe you could make a tender pulled pork in under two hours total time prep to eating, but it does the trick. It's really amazing what you can do with the pressure cooker because like you said, that would be something that you would slow cook for hours to get it that tender, but it's just such a time saver. And also, like, you can do really cool things like making yogurt. You can make your own in there, and you can even, like, infuse fruit into water and then carbonate it. Like, you, you just have so many options. You can make cheesecakes, like, whatever you want to do. There's an Instant Pot recipe for it. So there it is, $69.99 Instant Pot 7-in-1 Electric Pressure Cooker at walmart.com. Check it out and get cooking. <laughs> wrap up this week's episode we're moving right along to our on the bright side segment this is a really cool story about an iowa teenager she's 17 years old deja taylor 
she is a smart cookie. She is working on these uh, on working on getting a patent actually for this thing that she's created. She has come up with a special type of suture that helps people post op on their wounds, obviously. And it has a special ingredient inside beet juice. The cool thing about this and these sutures is that when you first put them on, they're a bright red color. And it all has to do with the pH. So, you know, bright red in the normal pH, what everything should be. Say that, you know, something happens and there's some sort of infection, the sutures actually turn this deep purple color based on the pH that would be uh, in the wound. And that would alert the doctors and medical staff visually that something is happening. So it's a really cool idea. It isn't really that crazy, you know, just adding something we already know about, but having it be converted for like a medical use. So just completely blew my mind. I know you're a doctor. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's awesome that she's using the beet juice because it's not some new chemical or pharmaceutical that we haven't had a lot of research on. We know beets are healthy for you. We know they're not going to cause any problems in the wound. And also, I think part of her motivation was to help people in developing countries, people with lower income. And so it's not an ingredient that's going to cost a lot of money. It's beet juice. You can get that in a lot of places. It's pretty easy to source and easy to grow. So it should be pretty widely available. Yeah, fingers crossed she's able to get her patent and change the world with this. Um. <laughs> okay, Daisy. I wonder if you guys could hear Daisy's sighing back there. She's in the middle of a nap, and I guess we're bugging her. But thank you guys so much once again for tuning in. We appreciate you guys listening. It feels like we're not just talking to ourselves. We feel like we're talking to people out there, even if it's just Lisa and Alex. Love you guys. Shout out. But thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Thanks for get, leaving us a review if you have. Uh, we appreciate you guys, and we love talking with you each week. As always, you can check us out on multiple streaming platforms, including Spotify, Google Casts, Apple Podcasts, and we do have our Instagram account, at Professional Millennials Pod. And if you want to reach out, give us some feedback, you can email us at professionalmillennialspod at gmail.com. Thanks again for being a part of the community and joining our discussion. Mm-hmm.